You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. I'm Emma Jetton, and today I'll be doing our Bible reading. I'll be reading from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 19, from the New Living Translation. These are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah. Another of Josiah's sons, in August of the 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I am with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. Then the Lord said to me, Look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching and I will certainly carry out all of my plans. Then the Lord spoke to me again and asked, what do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. Yes, the Lord said, for the terror of the north will boil out on the people of this land. Listen, I'm calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I, the Lord, have spoken. They will set their thrones at the gates of the city. They will attack its walls and all the other towns of Judah. I will pronounce judgment on my people for all their evil, for deserting me and burning incense to other gods. Yes, they worship idols made with their own hands. Get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I say. Do not be afraid of them, or I'll make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong, like a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land the kings, officials, priests, and other people of Judah. They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
There used to be this great TV show called Dirty Jobs, where people would ride in with the actual jobs that they did, jobs that were disgusting, difficult, dirty. And the host of the show, a guy called Mike Rowe, would agree to do their job for a day. Some of the worst jobs that he had to do uh, were sewerage inspector, wading through human waste surrounded by giant cockroaches and rats. Uh, Snake researcher, where he had to pull these large snakes out of a lake, then squeeze them until they vomited and analyse the stomach contents of the snake to see what they'd been eating. He actually got bitten over 30 times in a single day doing that one. Cow inseminator, where he had to reach inside a cow to inject the bull semen into the womb. And the thing about that one is when you're doing that, it prompts the cow to poo. So numerous times he had very near misses uh, from his face with the, the cows pooing. And shark suit tester. The only real way to check a shark suit and see whether it works is to put it on and to dive into the midst of a feeding frenzy where he was bitten and treated like a tug toy by the ravenous sharks. Uh, the suit passed the test, fortunately. Well, I wonder whether the prophet Jeremiah would have been very tempted to write into Mike Rowe and say, do my job for the day. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah had a, had a difficult and at times dirty and disgusting job to do. He was actually dropped down an unused well and we're told sunk into the mud and was left there to wallow in the mud because people were so unhappy with the message that he was sharing. Jeremiah was called by God to speak to the people of his nation, the nation of Judah, and to challenge them for their rejection of God, their injustice, their bad behaviour, and to announce God's judgment on that nation. It wasn't a popular message. And in this book, as well as the announcements of judgment from Jeremiah, we also get insight into his own internal struggles as he found it hard to do this job that God was calling him to do. It's why we've called this series The Weeping Prophet, as we get the insight into the heart of Jeremiah and this difficult job that he was doing. Now, the book of Jeremiah is actually the longest book in the Bible, and it's a difficult book because if you read it through from start to finish, it doesn't follow a strict order, chronology. Uh, things jump around and it combines uh, prophecies with narrative story sections. And so it's, it's very confusing and yet it's a very powerful book if you can mine the riches from it. So we're just doing a five-part series over the next few weeks. We're going to work our way through different sections of Jeremiah to get to the heart of what this book and what this message is all about. And I'm hoping that through this series that we'll be challenged in terms of our own relationship with God, but also that Jeremiah's own personal doubts and struggles and difficulties might actually be a source of encouragement for us as we wrestle with our own doubts and insecurities and difficult circumstances as well. 
So we meet Jeremiah in the first three verses. We know he's from a priestly family. He lives in a town of Anathoth, which is about five kilometres northeast of Jerusalem. If he was doing the park run, he could have gone from Anathoth to Jerusalem. That would have been sort of his local, I guess. And we're told that he ministers from the 13th year of the King Josiah up until the exile where the people of Jerusalem and Judah are taken captive into Babylon. So that takes us from uh, about 627 BC, that's the year of Josiah's 13th, 13th year of his reign, up until 587 BC. So if you're doing the maths there, you've worked out that's about 40 years where he's undertaking this ministry. Uh, five different kings of Judah are ruling during that time. Three of them are named in this passage. Two of them only were kings really for a couple of months. So tumultuous was the time uh, that Jeremiah was ministering in. But it was a very difficult period in history. Now, as with all of the Bible, the context is important. You need to know what's going on. You need to know the circumstances that are happening to get a grip on what's being said. Uh, And Jeremiah's message is to a particular historical and geographical context. He's speaking into a real situation with real people in real time. And so as we read it, we also need to understand what's going on then. And we need to not just directly apply it without thinking to our own lives, but think about the differences as well as the similarities between that situation and our own. And of course, with any Old Testament passage, the key in doing that application to ourselves is thinking about how the coming of Jesus changes and transforms our understanding of these passages which are spoken before Jesus' coming. Jesus is the the centre and the fulfilment of God's plans for the entire world. And so we need to understand how his coming changes and transforms our understanding of these passages. So we'll need to do that as we go along. As we go through the rest of this passage, it's helpful to think of it in terms of God's call to Jeremiah and also God's promises to help him do the job that he's called to do. So when Jeremiah is just a teenager, and possibly as young as 12 or 13, God calls him to do this job of being his prophet. Now, I've got a 12-year-old. She's actually very responsible and reliable. But man, imagine if she came into me one morning and said, Dad, God called me last night to be a prophet to the nations. I'm not sure how I'd cope with that. And Jeremiah is not too keen on the job that God's given him either. I don't know how to speak. I'm too young, are his two excuses. Well, God doesn't accept those as excuses. God's willing to use young and old. It doesn't matter. God can use anyone. And God will equip the people that he calls in order to do the job that he's called them to do. Uh, You might have heard it said before that if God calls you to do a job, then he will equip you. He will give you what is needed to do the job. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It may be very difficult, but God will enable you to do the job that he's called you to do. And even though Jeremiah is very young, God's been planning this for years. Have a look at verse 5. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I formed you. God is the creator, like the master potter shaping the clay. He's, he's done that. He does that for all of us. He shapes our personalities, our gifts, our passions for the job that he has in hand. I knew you, God says. Not that, you know, God would have been ace at passing a, a quiz at the local pub on the topic Jeremiah. No, when the Bible talks about knowing someone, it talks about intimate and personal knowledge. Uh, Jesus says that even the hairs on our heads are counted so deeply and personally does God know us. I set you apart. God has consecrated, set aside Jeremiah for this particular mission, job and purpose that he has for him to do. I have appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, most of what Jeremiah does is to his own nation of Judah, although later in Jeremiah, in chapters 46 to 51, we've got what are called oracles or prophecies to the nations, where he speaks to surrounding nations of Judah and basically tells them what God has to say to each of them. And there's a sense in which God's word, even what was spoken to those nations, is for everyone through the whole world. I mean, the fact that we in 2021 in Australia are reading and learning from Jeremiah means that his words in a real sense are words to us as well. The primary focus of Jeremiah's ministry was Judah, but it was more broad than that. Now, what does it mean to be a prophet? We've been speaking about the fact that Jeremiah is called to be a prophet, but what does it actually mean? Well, uh, at its heart, a prophet was someone who God spoke to, God's word came to them, and then they shared that word with his people. So have a look at verse 1. It says there that these are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah. But he's not just speaking his own words. This is not just his thoughts and opinions. Have a look at verse 2. The word of the Lord came to him. And that phrase plays on repeat throughout this book. Uh, verses 4 and 11, the word of the Lord came to me. And it acts almost like a section header. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and then he shares that word with people. It's even more explicit in verse 7 there. God says to Jeremiah, you must go to everyone I send you and say, whatever I command you. Jeremiah is a man under authority. He's not to just espouse his own original thoughts, ideas, philosophies. His job is simply to tell people what God has told him, to pass on God's word, unchanged, unmodified, unadulterated. And we have this beautiful image in verse 9, which sums this up where God actually reaches out his hand, touches Jeremiah's mouth and says, I have put my words in your mouth. So again, a prophet is someone who speaks God's word to his people. Now, 
That's a pretty privileged thing to do, isn't it? An honourable job that God would basically share with a human being his very words and say, I want you to pass that on to people. You might think that's not a dirty job at all. That's an amazing privilege of a job. And it is. Except what if that word that God is sharing is something that people don't want to hear and they don't want to know about? Where it's challenging, where God is saying, guys, the way that you are living is no good. You need to adjust your lifestyle radically. You need to stop doing these things that you're doing, which are out of step with what I've called you to do. You need to change. And if you don't, you'll be facing judgment. In fact, that's coming over the horizon because you are acting so unfairly and unjustly to people. You are so out of step with me and rejecting me that you have major problems coming. Jeremiah's message to his people was not an easy one to hear. Uh, and verse 10 contains a pretty good summary of the book of Jeremiah, really. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The first four of those verbs are negative. Uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow. Judah's reached such a point of corruption, injustice and disobedience that they need to be challenged. They need to be told that they are actually facing God's judgment. Disaster is coming. They need to be warned about it. Now, is that the sort of message that you would want to bring? How would your family and friends react to that? If you're like me, you would be so tempted to just, uh, let's just tweak it a bit. Uh, maybe leave out that bit, God. Uh, water down these parts because I don't think people are going to be totally on board with that message that you're trying to bring. And Jeremiah was cajoled and threatened to try and get him to change what he was doing. He got both the carrot and the stick. But again, the job of a prophet is not just to share their own thoughts and opinions, not to take the, the red marker pen to what God has to say and cut bits out and change it to suit people's tastes. No, they need to speak God's word. They need to pass on what God has said, unchanged, unmodified, as uncomfortable as that might be. But it's not all doom and gloom. Jeremiah speaks words of hope as well. Do you notice here in this verse 10 that there will be building and planting as well? Uh, things may be torn down and destroyed, but they're going to be built up again. And God is committed to his people. He will keep his promise that he will bless them. And we see that especially in the book of Jeremiah around uh, chapters 30 to 33, what's often called the book of consolation in Jeremiah, where God promises a new covenant, that is a, a new agreement with his people, a promise that ultimately finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Now, as people living after the coming of Jesus, 
people living after the life and teaching of Jesus, after his death on the cross and his mighty resurrection, but still waiting for Jesus to come back and finish the work that he has started when he will come back to judge the world. We're not exactly in the same situation as Jeremiah, nor do we have exactly the same sort of role that an Old Testament prophet had, but there are similarities here for us to learn from and to put into practice. See, in the same way as Jeremiah, we are not free to change or modify or water down God's word. We need to hear God speaking to us. Uh, We do that primarily as we read the Bible, God's written word given to us. Uh, Although God can speak in other ways through uh, words that come to us, through dreams, speaking through other people as well. And whenever we hear God's word, we need to be obedient to it. We need to be willing to put it into practice in our own lives, to submit our lives to God's word and teaching. But we also need to be prepared to share God's word with other people. Uh, We share God's word with other people who are followers of Jesus to encourage each other uh, and to challenge each other where we're out of step with what God is doing to actually encourage each other to line our lives up more with what God's word is saying. And we also share God's word with people who don't yet know him so that they can enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. See, Jeremiah's message was a message of judgment, but it had a note of hope. As followers of Jesus... Our message is one of good news and hope, but which does also call for a change of direction and a definite response. Jesus, when he started his own ministry, uh, spoke these words, repent and believe the good news. He announces good news. There is hope. There is planting. There is building. But he also says, that we need to repent, we need to uproot, we need to tear down, we need to destroy and overthrow the things in our lives that are not lined up with how God wants us to live. Or in the words of John 3, 17 and 18, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Grace is offered to us in Jesus Christ. But we need to believe in him and we need to accept him. If we don't do that, then we remain in condemnation, out of relationship with God and his just judgment remains upon us. See, that's not a comfortable message, is it? But just in the same way that Jeremiah had to speak words of challenge and warning, as well as words of comfort and peace, so we need to proclaim the good news of great hope and grace and forgiveness found in Jesus. But it's not up to us to also then downplay the the danger in rejecting Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers. 
there's the challenge for us, as there was with Jeremiah, to remain true to God's word and to speak prophetically to our culture and our world. So given that it's hard to do that, let's be honest, it's hard to speak God's word, it's hard to remain true to it where people are rejecting it, Um, especially at times where people in the church might say, no, God didn't really actually mean that, he he meant something else. It's it's hard to stay true to God's word and continue to speak it and believe it and live it. So how do we do it? How did Jeremiah do it? How did he stick to this job of speaking God's word for 40 years despite opposition and disappointment? Well, because he had God's promises to him and he knew that this was God's word, not his word that he was sharing. In verses 11 to 16, uh, God gives two visions to Jeremiah as a way of encouraging him. The first one's a play on words. What do you see, Jeremiah? Oh, well, I see an almond branch, uh, shakhed. That's right, Jeremiah, and I am shokhed. I am watching and I will fulfill my word. The second vision's more straightforward, if uh, a little terrifying. This boiling pot tipping from the north, tipping its boiling contents on Judah. An image that God is judging the idolatry and the evil and the injustice of Judah. And he'll do it as the nation of Babylon conquers Jerusalem because they they refuse to turn back to God. They refuse to listen to Jeremiah and other prophets who warn them of disaster. Again, God's telling Jeremiah, it's not up to you to fulfill my word. I'm watching. I will do it. You just speak it and leave it to me. But God's word comes true not only in these pronouncements of judgment, but also thankfully, mercifully in his promises of salvation and hope. There's wonderful promises threaded through this passage. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you. God doesn't downplay the reality of opposition, uh, but he says, I will be with you. I will stick with you and I will save your life. In verse 18, God promises that he will fortify and strengthen Jeremiah for the job. He'll make him like iron and like bronze so that he can stand firm. They'll fight against you, but they won't win. I am with you and I will strengthen you and I will rescue you. Now, as followers of Jesus, God's given us similar promises as well, that it's not in our own strength that we're going to proclaim God's word. It's not going to be easy remaining faithful to God's word and being willing to share it with others, but God will strengthen us and equip us for the task. God's instructions here to Jeremiah to to stand firm reminds me powerfully of Ephesians chapter 6. These verses are from 10 and 11. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. As that passage goes on, it speaks about standing your ground. After you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. It keeps repeating that instruction to stand, 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 stand. And like Jeremiah, we can only stand firm as we take hold of God's promises that he is with us. Despite the challenges, despite the opposition, despite the ridicule and rejection that we might face, God is with us. And reminding ourselves that God has rescued us in Jesus Christ. His blood was shed for us on the cross, giving us forgiveness and bringing us into relationship with God. He's won the victory over death and over sin, rising triumphantly from the grave in his resurrection. And God has said he'll follow through on that rescue. He will bring us to be with himself. He'll bring us into the new creation, the restored world, where we will enjoy his presence forever in a perfect and renewed creation and in relationship with each other. That's really at the heart of what the armour of God is all about. It's reminding ourselves of the gospel, the good news, that God has won the victory in Jesus Christ and he will finish the job. His word will come true. He will fulfill his promises. He will fulfill his word. It will happen. That's why Ephesians 6 also speaks about wielding the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jeremiah was given God's word to proclaim and God's promise that he would fulfill it. Well, the word of God is our only weapon too. We don't speak from our own great store of wisdom and truth. We don't just espouse our own opinions or our views on morality. Uh, We need to proclaim God's word. We need to speak about God's truth. We need to overflow with God's good news of grace, the good news of salvation. It's not our word. It belongs to him. It's not our job to make people accept it. We can't do that. That's up to God by his Holy Spirit to transform hearts so that people accept his word. And it's not our job to fulfil God's word. He has done that and he will do that in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, our King and our Saviour. Now, our job, like Jeremiah, is to hear God's word, to obey it ourselves and to share it with others trusting in God's promises and being willing to stand firm in the truth of God's word as God enables us and promises us that he will be with us and watch over us as we do it. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.